Welcome to OOO, another ordinary podcast where we dig deep into case studies and the nitty-gritty of Web3 marketing. You'll find here all the amazing people that are building Web3, so stick to us as we address their marketing secrets and learn how to build amazing products and brands. Hello everyone, I'm Alex, your fellow Web3 marketer and the host on Out of Ordinary Podcast. This is episode 36. Let me introduce you to my guest. Sarah Endline is an executive fellow and entrepreneur in residence at the Harvard Innovation Lab and Harvard Business School. She is currently investing, speaking, and advising around the unfolding Web3 world, especially focused on consumer innovation, impact, art and collectibles, and NFTs. Most importantly, Sarah is incubating her new venture, Sezi, from her post at Harvard. She is also the former founding CEO and chief rioter of Switch Riot in New York City. Switch Riot was an early certified B Corporation, fair trade, organic, women-owned, and INC 500 out of 5,000 company. Sarah's entrepreneurial work has been covered by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Forbes, and Fortune. Before Switch Riot, Sarah was launching products at Yahoo during Web 1 in Silicon Valley. Also, she designed products and marketing programs at the National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship and MicrosoftMSN.com during the Internet's infancy. Her work has impacted millions of Internet consumers worldwide. Prior to NFTE, Sarah was a national president of ISEC in the USA. Sarah loves being a speaker for the U.S. State Department and an advisor for the Zoo Cirque du Soleil Incubator in Montreal. She also mentors for Techstars in Paris, ERA in New York City, the German Accelerator in San Francisco and New York City, and Antler in Scandinavia. She grew up in Michigan, close to her grandparents' farm, and has an MBA from the Harvard Business School and a bachelor degree from the University of Michigan, both on scholarship. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I know we've been planning to, to record this episode for quite a while um, as we met in ETC. So it's been a, it's been a bit in the making, but uh, I'm so excited that we're going to dive into a lot of subjects today. Um, and I want to thank you for, for accepting the invitation to be on the, on the podcast. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into Web3? So it's funny when people ask me about Web3, I really go back into kind of, you know, the internet in general, because I was at Yahoo 20 years ago in Silicon Valley. We did not call it Web1, but now it's framed in that way. So I have been involved in the internet um, for quite a long time. And so I guess the way I got into Web3 is by being a part of Web1. This is uh, this is pretty this is pretty interesting. I think like, nobody has uh, ever explained it this way. Let's say, but yes, you're right. I think um, uh, nobody called it Web One and Web Two before. Um, and but now you are an entrepreneur, Harvard Fellow, entrepreneurship speaker, and diplomat, appointee for U.S. Department of State, advisor at Tech Tech Stars. Can you share some of your insights on entrepreneurship? Um, cycle, how it relates to building, advising, and investing in Web3 projects? Uh, well, to me, entrepreneurship 
I live in, I call it the ecosystem of entrepreneurship, right? And it's, it's circular. So sometimes people are building, sometimes they're advising, they're mentoring, they're investing, they're speaking. And for me, it's all about this sense of creation. So I often say to entrepreneurs, you know, you're part artist, it's business, but there's some artistry here. There's, there's creativity here because you're building something from scratch. And so for very early stage founders, you're really creating everything from your culture to your initial relationships, your first customers, your first employees, your first partners. And so this sense of, you know, building from the ground up is where I kind of start to talk to people because I think, you know, I always say, uh, you know, at my last company and at, you know, the next venture that I'm building, we're not building brands, we're building movements. And movements are really based on culture and core values, right? And so kind of rooting yourself at the very beginning in what I would call the soul of the company and what you stand for and what you want to go out into the world and do is so, so important. So basically you're saying that um, entrepreneurship is pretty much the same everywhere, let's say. It doesn't really matter like what you're building as long as you have like a, a bigger purpose in mind, let's say, and you're um, getting your hands dirty with everything. Did I get that I right? I think this is interesting that, that you just said entrepreneurship is the same everywhere. What I have found from my travels, which I am literally celebrating my 100th country right now, I do. Oh, <laughs> so great. And, and I just, I just landed in Croatia and, you know, we had a toast, like this is my 100th country. And what I can tell you from traveling the world to us embassies and conferences and through organizations like ISAC Alexandra, which, you know, the, the, this idea of building something from zero to 100, this idea of entrepreneurship, it is universal. So Yes, you have different cultures and different environments at play. So to build in, you know, Kenya may be different than to build in Hungary, to build in New York, to build in China. You know, the, there, you have different cultures, you have different frameworks, you have different legal, you know, issues that you may be dealing with. But the sense of creation is everywhere. And even the pitch deck, I will tell you, because I judge competitions around the world, the pitch decks are very, yes, they're different. They're different, but they're similar, right? People are talking about things like problem, solution, team, market opportunity. Wherever you go, you have to cover that. It's not, it's not different based on your country. Um, so there is a universal idea, I believe, around entrepreneurship. Um, it seems that all your roles are connected to, um, and in, I, I call them environmental initiatives, but I think it's more about like the social impact of things. How do you integrate the sustainability into your work um, in the Web3 space, especially? So I definitely don't call it environmental and I, I don't even necessarily use the word sustainable, but it falls for sure in this framework of social impact. 
And I started an early B corporation when the B movement started. I'm starting another benefit corporation. And that is based on the idea that I believe business can have a positive impact in the world. And if you shape it and create it with that intention, you can have profits, you can have amazing revenues, but you can have a positive impact as well. And I think people are doing this across sectors. So you might think, oh, climate tech or environmental, but you have people doing this in ed tech, med tech, property tech, because it's the, if you look at the B corporation framework, it's how you treat your employees, how you treat your community, how you engage with your board and your advisors, what kind of products and services do you offer? Are they products that are good and interesting for the world? Or are they products that are evil for the world? And then you can't qualify for social impact. Um, so I think to me, it's again around how are you building your company and the kind of values that you set out to have at the very beginning. Um, I know like your experience is mostly in Web 2, let's say, uh, because you've been doing this for like the last uh, decades and Web 3 is still quite new. But like, do you feel like Web 3, or at least from what you've seen, do you think Web 3 is there with a with an impact with like or, or with a long-term impact, let's say, or, or with a social impact uh, in mind? Or do you think it's still quite new and it's not really there yet? Because kind of that's kind of how I feel, but... I wanted to see your perspective I think as well. It completely depends on the company, the project, and whether they believe impact is central to what they're doing. So I think obviously, if we look at the classic example of Sam Bankman Freed and say, was he trying to have social impact? I think we can agree no, that was not why he was building a company, right? But if you look at an NFT project, a digital collectibles project like World of Women, you know, mission and impact is central to what they do, right? And, and so it, there's such different examples, and it'd be no different if we were looking at early internet players and saying, hey, is, is Yahoo having an impact? You know, do they care about impact? And I can tell you from being at Yahoo early on, taking care of employees, you know, impacting the community was always important to them. We had a Yahoo employee foundation where literally all employees at Yahoo voted on what sectors we wanted to impact. And then we had this small Yahoo employee foundation team, which I was on, which literally made the decisions of what grants to give. And so we were doing good from the very beginning and, and there, it was a very positive culture from the very beginning. So I think it just depends. I think the examples cross you know, all sectors, all parts of the internet. Um, and so it's not just, you know, web, it's not just about web three, right? I think in the world, it's about companies that take a stand and, and want to, you know, have strong ethical values. I was, uh, while we were talking, I was thinking that it, it kind of works with what we now call DAOs. Um, but in a similar a way-ish, let's say. Um, something I wanted to ask you was regarding, like, um, um, if you could maybe elaborate on the role of consumer innovation, because I know um, you're very 
consumer centric and all the work is kind of towards that um, and how it differs from traditional consumer innovation let's say so consumer traditional consumer innovation let's say and web3 of course i love this question because it really shouldn't differ so if you believe in human centered design and taking care of your customers it crosses sectors but what i started to detect early on when i was like especially during covid diving into okay what is happening with web3 and and blockchain and some of my first exposure to blockchain was literally the consensus house at davos in 2018 you know kind of getting involved in you know a little eth in 2017 you know like i was I was aware but I wasn't diving fully in. So during COVID I spent more time studying kind of what was happening between, you know, cryptocurrency protocols, blockchain software and then the digital collectibles, digital art, NFT movement. Um and and what I found was that people were talking so much about the technology, which I love technology. Technology is really important. But it made me think of Yahoo and how we were very much constantly in a conversation about our users which were our consumers. And I would spend a lot of time in the GUI department which is graphical user interface. Um and you know very early on Irene who was a, a total leader who's been at Yahoo, Google and more in Silicon Valley was someone I spent a lot of time with. And so we were talking about human centered design and we were talking about ethnography, we were talking about like how does the customer can live their lives. And I find the conversations in web3 are so often, you know, what chain are you on? What are you using? And that's not consumer conversation. And so over a year ago I stopped using the term NFTs as much as I could especially on stages like NFT NYC, you know, Paris Blockchain Week, etc. and instead talk about let's talk about the products we're creating for consumers. You know, when I was at Yahoo back in the day, we certainly weren't saying to consumer, do you want JavaScript with your email account today? Because the consumer doesn't understand, the consumer wants to know what exciting thing am i purchasing what exciting thing am i getting involved in what am i what value am i adding to my life so that's what they're thinking about and so we have to speak with them around value and changing their lives and the impact it will make and and that's not about you know protocol and you know tokens and they they don't necessarily understand Um so yes you know the things that I'm building in the future of course will be built on blockchain technology but the design that we're doing I would absolutely frame as human centered design and true consumer innovation is about human centered design the other thing I would add Alexandra and this is unrelated to web3 this is again in any company any sector you know early on I read books that like really impacted my thinking. So I love the book Blue Ocean and Blue Ocean it, it, the summary of the book, a wonderful book that came out of Inziad is, you know, you can swim with the sharks in the bloody red ocean or you can kind of create your own category, your own path and enter the blue ocean. And so I think if you think about innovation and designing new products, don't copy others like look for your own blue ocean 
And then the second book that I love and, and Seth Godin and I were at Yahoo at the, at a similar time. And he has written many books and he's such a great person to follow and listen to. Um, he wrote a book called purple cow and it's so short and so simple and so easy to read. And you know, the purple cow is this example of being like really unique and really remarkable and really different in your category. And so I think that's something again for every sector to think about. Are you trying to copy someone or are you trying to be truly unique and build something new? And innovation obviously is, is not about copying. Innovation is about being on the edge, kind of going out front uh, and doing something different and unique. While you were talking about these two books, I was thinking about the fact that like, I think I read them when I was in uni, so it's been a while, but I think things weren't making that much sense back then as they make right now, because I do have a lot more work experience and I can definitely understand the way they, um, the way you can implement some of the, the things that they're talking in these books, uh, into like real life, let's say. So I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. Um, you have also been described as a serial entrepreneur. Um, what drives you to continue um, starting new ventures? And how does this uh, align with your um, broader goals, let's say? So I met Simon Sinek years ago, luckily, even before he you know, became super famous. And so we spent time on you know, my why statement and it, it carries with me. Right. And my why statement is to build sweet movements to fix the world. But I do that through business and I've really chosen entrepreneurship and business as the lever to drive change. And so that's really, that's what drives me. I keep the why statement in front of me. I make sure that what I'm doing falls under it. And I don't, I know some people feel like they're choosing to be an entrepreneur and I, and I guess I chose to be an entrepreneur, but I think, you know, I started my first company when I was seven, you know, selling candy around town. So I'm not sure. I, I sometimes feel like entrepreneurship chooses you. And I certainly don't tell everyone to be an entrepreneur. I don't think that everyone has to do it. You have to either it's choosing you or you're, you're choosing it and it's just kind of in your blood. Um, I do, I do agree with you that I think like, uh, it kind of chooses you and, uh, if, uh, it chooses you, you kind of need to, to follow the path, let's say. Um, I even, uh, met a friend of mine this morning and we, we've actually been working for a year together, but we never met face to face. We met on LinkedIn and, uh, she, she came to town and we had a coffee this morning. It was really nice catching up. And we were talking about this thing about like how we don't want to be in, employed for the rest of our lives and like how we want to like build some stuff and, uh, passive income and so on. And I really, really liked, um, the fact that like seeing more women, especially, um, being more, but being more driven, um, in this sense, let's say, and kind of thinking outside the box or like trying to, to find some niches that have not been, uh, covered yet, uh, which is like super exciting to see though. <laughs> 
Um, something um, I I also want to want to talk about is the fact that um, you're very passionate about like having a meaningful impact. I know we we touched a bit on that as well. Um, how do you believe businesses in Web three space can create substantial positive change in society? So I think I mean I, I'd love to see more people you know using the B framework and really kind of being holistic about it. I don't believe it's simply, hey, we're a company and like we donate to nonprofits. That's that's nice, that is. But I think really looking at your entire company, how you take care of the people, how you build relationships in the community, for sure, how you're you're giving back to nonprofits. Like it's a holistic approach. And so knowing that there have been some ethical issues in web three, I'd love to see everyone step up and say, we're going to incorporate these frameworks of doing good. This is what we want as an industry. Um, but everyone gets to make their own choices, right? I, I can't, I certainly can't impose and, and tell people what they need to do. Um, but I, I think there are certainly, like I said, some projects or some companies where impact is central, right? Um, but for others, maybe that's, that's not, you know, that's not their core. Um, but even if social impact or sustainability or an environmental issue is not at the core of your company, you still can use a B Corp framework to look at all these aspects of how you're taking care of, again, like I said, people, community, et cetera. Um, you've mentioned the importance of not um, separating business from doing good. Um, and I was wondering if you can maybe share an example where uh, this integration has been particularly successful. So it's interesting. I was speaking to a MBA conference years ago and, and the person kind of said, but do you think it's a good idea to incorporate artwork in your packaging? And for, for us, it was like, we were not choosing again between profits and purpose by incorporating artwork in our packaging. We were working with artists, we were supporting artists, we were engaged in these different community organizations, but it also made our packaging look unique, look beautiful, and made us special, right? In, 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 in kind of our product selection. And so we were not, we were choosing good and profits at the same time. And that's partly where I, I challenge people to think about the fact that you don't need to choose between them. You can incorporate them so that it kind of works in harmony. So do you think it's better to have like a black and white label or a label where you've partnered with the community and it like stands for something? And so that's, that's how I kind of think about you know, using impact in a way that's going to be good, for, good for the good for impact, good for the community, and good for your business too. Um, kind of niching uh, down a bit more, let's say. Um, do you see any specific opportunities or challenges related to designing product? Uh, products for female consumers in Web three, especially. 
but web two as well. Like, I mean, I think, well, I'm guessing cer- I mean, certainly I think if you don't have enough women in the room, it's shown that you literally are listening to just certain voices in your design. And so it is so critical that we have women building in web three running companies, running engineering, being engineers, being at the table in design. They even say like, um, and I, I grew up in Michigan, so I know the auto industry. They say that like when seatbelts were designed, they were designed like in a way like by guys for guys. Right. So think about it, right. This, this doesn't, this doesn't work if you don't incorporate everyone in your design. And so uh, for sure, what I've seen, especially in the first wave of the kind of digital arts, digital collectibles space, is there's so much that's been designed kind of by guys for guys. And that's great. But the things that I'm working on are like by women for women because the number one consumer in the world are women. So I want to design for women. Um, and I think we just have to keep having, I think the conversations are happening Alexandra and they need to keep happening, which is women in web three. Like let's keep building. I've actually noticed a lot more discussions here or like a lot more movement in with women in web three, especially that the industry is quite new compared to what was happening in web two. Um, and even right now, like I've been in the industry or like in web two, like doing digital marketing for the last like 10 years and people are still organizing events for women in, in tech, which to me like sounds quite funny. Um, but I, that's why like drawing a parallel towards like what's happening here, I can see a lot more differences and it makes me happy to see that there's a lot more movement here. And I think like the, in 10 years, I think the industry is going to look like totally different from like what women in tech uh, kind of looked like. Um, but like related to what you were saying, I wanted to ask, like, do you think it's one of the reasons why maybe um, the adoption of women into Web3 or the integration of women into Web3 is like, is still at like um, at a low percentage, mostly because a lot of the products or a lot of the, the projects have been built for men, by men? I definitely think if you're designing for a subset, then that's the subset that's going to adopt your product, right? For instance, in the digital collectibles world, I do not believe that everyone needs to be a day trader. I do not believe that every citizen on earth should be, you know, kind of taking on financial speculation and and trading. That's my view. And so if you want to build for the normal consumer, then build in a different way. Um, and so I think, you know, this first wave of NFTs, for instance, led by OpenSea and others, that's great. They have trading platforms. There's a place for that. And that's about speculation. But I think there are other ways to build and other ways to design so that you reach more consumers. And that is something certainly always on my mind. Um, you just mentioned NFTs, um, and the NFT space has gained quite a lot of attention recently. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on women's participation as investors in the space? 
And what do you think would encourage these women to be more involved? I certainly, I mean, I'm involved in and in, in purchase so many of the women's projects and I love World of Women and I love Boss Beauties and I love BFF and I love Hug and like the list is long and I love Honey Badger and like, you know, I, I love Meta Angels and, you know, I, I believe in these mission-based projects, which each of them were, right? They weren't just like, hey, buy, you know, our NFT. Um, there's a great project out of Miami called Tuttle Tribe. And it is very much about like bringing people together. It's very community oriented, many live events. And, you know, that to me is an example of an impact oriented NFT project that these are all part of that first wave. Right. And I think, I think there are going to be new waves around digital collectibles. And I know, you know, I have a, a stealth venture, so we're not, we're not completely out there. Right. But I'm working on a venture called Sazzy and it's, it's so much about creating a new wave around digital collectibles that is not just about trading. And, and I think that we're going to see new things in front of us, especially because we're, we're in a bear market. We're in build mode. Um, and so we're going to see different waves. It's not all going to look like 2021, 2022, um, which is exciting. I think I'm seeing a lot more utility being, um, added to the space, like to the, to the, especially to the NFTs. And I think this is, this for me particularly, it's so super exciting because like, I think this would appeal to, to women and to me a lot more than this uh, trading and speculation and like, have you invested or you do you own an NFT or you don't? Um, and sometimes I'm even thinking like, you can ask me as much as you want if I, if I own an NFT, but like, of course I'm not. So maybe I would, I could do it for like as an investment. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I think it's, it's a lot more related to like building communities and like being part of something bigger or supporting a cause. Um, so I'm actually very, very excited to see kind of how it's going to move forward. Let's say. Definitely. Um, you mentioned considering, um, the design for, um, female users. Could you delve a bit into how uh, you approach this and why it's important in web three as well? So one of the things I, I learned about at Yahoo is something called ethnography where we literally would go into a consumer's home and see how they live their lives. And so I think if you're trying to reach a target consumer, you're literally thinking about where do they live? Where do they play? Where do they work? What do they read? Where may they be on social media? Right. And that's, you're, you're starting your design again around them first. And so this is to me like a really core principle is like trying to think through, you know, who are your lead consumers? Where are you going to find them? And how do you then design around, around the way they live their lives? Um, could you maybe um, highlight some female-driven projects in the Web3 space that uh, stand out to you? And what uh, tell us about like what makes them uh, unique or special? So if you look at Boss Beauties, for instance, they already had a principle. They, they were an organization before, right? So they kind of took their principles from their standing organization into the NFT project, which was about 
inspiring women around careers. You can see, you see this showing up and actually the art was, was created around women and, and different kind of like, could be a nurse, could be a teacher, could be, could be a policeman. Like you could see like this evolution showing up in their art in a very wonderful visual way. So I think that's a really fascinating project to look at because they were not a new organization. They were an organization that was evolving. If you look at world of women, you see just this incredible, beautiful, very inclusive art of, you know, women in all colors and shapes and sizes. And I think what's core about world of women is like the celebration of women, the, the, you know, even from the name and names are really important, right? From boss beauties to world of women, like think about their names, they stand for something. And so the world of women is this very vibrant, bright, you know, loving project that was all about celebrating womanhood. And then as they evolve, they're, they're looking to kind of build an even stronger community and build kind of the next platform for women in web three. And I think these are two amazing projects. There, there are so many more, but those are two that I would highlight because they're, they're actually very different even though their images are both of women. How do you think we can encourage uh, the participation of more, more women into Web3? Because I know like that's something that you, you really stand for. Uh, you're part of like a lot of communities um, that are encouraging more women to, to be part of this. And what do you, what do you think on, on the matter? I think that it's really important that we stay vocal about it and that we keep talking about it, but actions do speak louder than words. And so I'm very focused on what are the actions I'm taking and what are the actions I'm encouraging? And so for sure, I think women out speaking is super important. Being on panels, having a voice. So that's an area I totally focus on. Um, I think hiring women and giving women a seat at the table is really important. That's an area I focus on. So the first people, you know, the first initial people working with me on SASE, all women, I'm definitely collaborating with men at men as well, but some of the, the first people are women and, you know, younger women that are getting their start so that I have really a chance to impact their lives. And then the other category I very much focus on is mentorship. And I believe mentorship's a two-way street. Everyone's learning. Um, I really look out for women and underrepresented, you know, people in the space. And I like to mentor them. Um, and then the last category for sure is investing. Like, what are you investing in? And this is, again, Actions, not words. What what actions are you taking? Like, are you investing in women and under underrepresented, you know, founders, projects, projects that make an impact, projects that stand for something? Are you doing that or are you not? And so I really want us all to stay vocal, keep talking about it, but then I really want to hear all the things that people are doing to back it up with action. Um, do you think your, your personal brand helped you or like would help anybody kind of stand out so that they can 
be known and get a seat at the table, let's say? Do you think it's all interconnected? You know, I, I can't, I don't really use the word brand. I think the word brand came from putting a stamp on a cow, like branding them. And so I try not to use it. And, and I call it, I could like at a, at a company level, I call it building a movement. Right. And at a personal level, I know there's all these things out there around, you know, building your personal brand. I, I think it's about authenticity. I think it's about building relationships. I think it's about finding your why statement. And if you can root yourself, like as a human being, if you can root yourself in, here's why my why I have values as a person, I am authentic and I build win-win relationships yeah. I mean, maybe we call that a personal brand, but I, I just don't like that word. Right. I, I think if you're someone who establishes your reputation based on the fact that you play win-win, you're, you're team oriented, you care about others, you're a giver, not a taker. If you set up your reputation in that way, absolutely. It's going to help you continue to grow in your career. Um, I, I love the way you, you defined it. Um, you also mentioned that you're being drawn to, to authentic projects, which, um, uh, it's something that I relate to quite a lot as well. And I wanted to ask you what criteria do you use to determine the authenticity of a web three project? For example, I love that question. I, I for sure I'm, I'm, it always intrigued by, you know, who, who are the founders, right? So who's, who's behind it and what's their history? Like, do they have a history in this area or are they just kind of jumping in cause they want cash, right? So, so for me, I'm, I'm looking really at the founders and what is their history. And I want to show, I want to see that their history is then showing up in their next build. And if they're his, if they're kind of like they used to do this and now they're like off doing this so that it like has no sense of like authenticity or core values, for me that's like a total red flag. Um I think an interesting one that came out of Miami and New York is the Tunney collection. Peter Tunney is a longtime artist, wonderful gallery in Wynwood, Miami, wonderful gallery in New York. And this was not new for him to be creating art. The, the technology part of it was newer, right? But he went back into his history of like, what are some pieces that I've thought about in the past that like, maybe I haven't like really brought to the forefront. And so he created this project called Tunny Money. And it was all about like his passion, even for the dollar bill, you know, as a young person. And so you can see, and, and I know Peter, so I'm partly like, I, I kind of have this, I, this information from him directly, but it's really beautiful how he decided to take it into a digital realm. And I don't think it's the most famous project, but I can tell you it is definitely authentic. For sure. It does sound like it though. <laughs> Um, what specific types of uh, Web3 utilities or tools do you think the, the, the industry needs more of or would serve better consumers at this point? 
It's interesting. I, I think there are, like, if I'm talking just to entrepreneurs, there are fundamental things that you need, whether they come from web two or web three, right? It's like, you need a good banking relationship. You need a good, you know, online storage source, whether that's Dropbox or something else. Like you need good lawyers, right? You need good counsel. You, you, you need, you know, designers in your life, like whether that's coming from fiber or something else. So I don't necessarily differentiate where the tools are coming from. I just think you fundamentally need them. Um, I think what's exciting and what's like very much on the forefront with web three is we're building more no code tools as well, which is really important for adoption and ease of use and getting people into the mix. So I see that very much in front of us. And when it comes to like challenges and opportunities um, of companies transitioning from web two to web three, um, how do you, how do you see this? And um, um, what, what are some particular um things let's say that we can look at especially when it comes when it comes from a, a to a consumer's perspective i think there are just going to be some companies that don't transition because their entire business models are based on centralized data the the, the entire essence of their company is based on centralization and so i think what we'll, we'll continue to see is disruption we're going to see traction in those who are out in front in Web3. And we're going to see Web2 businesses disrupted. I, I don't know if they're all going to be able to transition, right? So it's like if you look at Facebook at its essence, meta, but let's just look at Facebook at its essence, is about centralized community with centralized control and advertising. Pinterest follows the same, right? Centralized control advertising based on looking at the user's data and what are they liking, right? I don't, I don't see, I don't, I see them remaining centralized. Um, and that's okay. Innovation is about evolution and different players. And so we're going to see lots of things in the next, you know, if you look at the next two to 10 years, we're in a deep place of innovation. It reminds me very much of, you know, 2001 in Silicon Valley when we entered a bear market and look what came out, right? Oh, three, oh, four, oh, five. Look at what started to come up. It's like, if I look at Facebook early on, you know, Airbnb was there by oh, eight, like lots of incredible innovation. Um, Something I I also wanted to ask you because I think it's very important. I also ask like a lot of my um, like all my speakers actually. What are some, what are what are some resources that you think would be that you know of and you you might want to share with with our audience? So I I do believe in conferences. I don't think you can go to every conference. I don't think you need to you know travel the world unless you want to. I think there's a there are a lot of local resources. So I'm usually, you know, based between New York, Paris, and Miami. And I just, you know, when I'm there, I'm in community, right? I'm, I'm getting involved in the conferences and the events. And that's a place that, you know, wherever you are in the world, 
there, there is likely a web three community within an hour or two of you. Now you might be in a really remote part of, you know, a forest in Brazil, but I'm telling you there's still something that far away and, or that community is online. And obviously with technology, it's amazing what you can reach in the online realm versus just having to be in person. But I believe a lot in in person and relationships. And so finding these conferences and events that may be around you. And if you don't want to go to the main conference and you're going to the side events, that's okay too. So that I certainly encourage. And then I think there's like, there's so many communities, whether you're joining, you know, what would be called like an NFT project or you're joining a DAO looking for what you care about. Like what there, there's so many different things that you can kind of get involved with, but it should be based on what you care about or what you stand for. Um, and then dive in. Yeah. Um, I, I love this and I think like everybody should be encouraged to, uh, to look a bit deeper into, into web three than, uh, than the news, let's say, cause I think there's like a, a, a lot more opportunities out there. Um, Sarah, before we wrap this up, can you maybe tell our audience where can they find you? So you can definitely find me on Twitter under my full name. You can find me on Instagram under my full name, Sarah Enline, LinkedIn, full name, Sarah Enline. Um, those are probably three, you know, places that I would point you to. Um, I'm probably spending a little less time on discord. Um, so I like to, and of course I'm on email and text, but that's, that's a separate issue. Of course. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope you have an amazing time in, in Croatia. Congrats for your 100 country. <laughs> thank you. And uh, thank you. maybe I'll see you at the next conference. Who knows? Are you going to DevCon by any chance? Bogota? No, in, uh, in Istanbul or what's in Lisbon? I, it's not yet on my calendar, but you never know, Alexandra. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much again and hope to chat with awesome. you soon. Awesome. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our Out of Ordinary podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to hear more content like this, then open up the podcast app and click on the follow or subscribe button. It takes less than five seconds and is the single best thing you can do to support the show and stay up to date to more marketing strategies that are being used in the Web3 space.